It's that time again. We go beyond the jive. Join our hosts, John Swan and Natalie B. Brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. All you hive jive junkies out there, this is the hive jive. Well, hello, everybody. Hello, well, Miss Natalie. Hello. How are you doing today? Hanging in there. <laughs> we just had a conversation about that. Yeah, yeah. We're not we're not really sure what it is. It could be uh, like delayed COVID symptoms. It could be brain fog-esque from COVID. Uh, my, my brains have basically functioned like they're scrambled eggs today, and we're not really sure why. Um, trying to go through the... Possible yeah. root causes. <laughs> right. All of the non let's go have a cat scan <laughs> type yes. scenarios. <laughs> yes. Let's hope that tomorrow morning that's gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh we were talking, we have a subject and a, a topic for today. And I was I was joking telling Natalie that yeah, uh, I'm not gonna promise that I have anything intelligent to add to the conversation because <laughs> the way the day's gone, it's just <laughs> that's okay. You know, we'll, we'll be too too tango on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so Something real quick while while it is in my mind before I forget about it. The I've mentioned before that I don't like the molded plastic nuke boxes, not the easy boxes. No, the other ones, the brown the, and yellow. Yeah, green. the brown with the different colored lids. Um, I don't like them for multiple reasons, but I have found a new one, and it's not something that I've encountered before, luckily. Um, I think it may be a problem with just that specific box that's out there at the moment, but Three different occasions I have gone out there and the stupid front has slid closed. Oh, no. So plenty of ventilation. Nobody's going to overheat, but I don't know how long it's been that way. And there'll be some bees piled up out front and I have to open it so everybody can get in and out. And, you know, it, and I pr push it all the way up and make sure that it's propped up and it seems good. And then, you know, I go back out there next time and I check and it's slid back closed again. And I'm like, ah, oh. so it's a little frustrating. <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah. I would say, I mean, I'm, I, I never trusted those because they slide down. Right. right. Yeah. So I'm just, it's always made me, I had a bunch of those. I don't know what to do with them. I cannot do conversions with them. And I just actually, the, the nukes that I purchased to do a lot of customer conversions, um, I was expecting them to be in the white easy boxes. They came in those, didn't they? They came in those. So I ended up spending 700 bucks worth of, you know, white easy boxes so I could swap them out. And then I was left with all those. Yeah. I'm not a fan of them. And it's just, I don't know. It just, it's so complicated and I don't, I don't get the entrance to it anyway, because You've got this this flat piece and then it arcs up as you push it up and it mm -hmm. makes this massive opening. Yeah, that's the other thing. Underneath it in the front that you can't really control. Mm -hmm. And it and it's got vents like it's duplicated on both sides and then it's got vents around the top. So it's got like mega airflow through it. It just mm -hmm. doesn't it, it I never have really quite <laughs> grasped what they were thinking when they did that they're great for stacking as russian dolls one inside yep. the other they'll nest uh, yeah they'll nest into each other however they do overheat uh, quite severely in texas as well so you have to put a secondary um protection from the sun on top of them yeah so well it's uh, it's 
a single layer of plastic. Mm -hmm. It's not even like the easy ones, the corrugated plastic, the corrugation adds an extra thickness and it adds an air channel in there. Air it's not a lot thick. better, but it's better than this is solid well, piece of plastic. Insulation and there's fewer moving parts. It's just kind of a box that you fold over, right? But they're yeah. not nestable. They don't, they don't stack up. Yeah. And uh, for everybody out there, if you're like, why are we talking about this? Yeah, um, I know. It has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that the remnants of the bear attack are in one of those at the moment as a nuke to try to kind of see what we can do with it. And, you know, it's needing a lot of help. So I've got to go take a look at it periodically. And because of that, that's that's where I'm coming up with this. Like every time I go out there, the freaking front is closed and I don't know why. And yeah, it's just, it's yet another I... reason in a long line of reasons of why I don't like those plastic boxes. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, you might want to keep an eye on that on a regular basis. But that brings up a good point where, you know, we've been doing the conversions with the easy white boxes. And um, for those people that don't have their conversion completed for the winter, we're going to make uh, one inch lumber um, Langstroth nuke boxes, five frames, just kind of like what you would use or what you would see in beekeeper's yards but open to the um, top bar and just kind of affix it to the end of the top bar hive sitting on that, that thing. And so that'll be hopefully good enough for them to overwinter into what is going on. <laughs> Random thought. And so um, I'm making faces. I'm like holding like a pen in the middle of my face, face and making faces at her. <laughs> so the, in regards to that, last thing you were talking about i plan on doing actually like a permanent conversion box that i'm going to yeah. build out of two by and put that up there and then drop the frames into that and have it already permanently attached to the top yeah. bar add the extra insulation blah 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 it's all great but the reason that i was making the funny face is because um jorge sent me a link to i don't know what it was it was it was almost like a, a video probably that was on instagram like an advertisement or something but it was this really cool thing. And he goes, I'm, I'm certain we could find a where like a place to use this in beekeeping. It is, uh, think of like a square place, like a, like a corner bracket, right? That's usually an L, but think about it a little bit more three-dimensionally to where it's square. And it's, 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 uh, three-dimensional triangle, I guess I should say. So you've got the L portion where two screws are going to go into this piece at the bottom and two screws are going to go into this piece in the side. But the middle of it, instead of being an L, the middle of it makes a plane that goes across and has a screw in the middle, like a triangle would. So you've connected the bottom piece to the top piece at an angle. And once it's all put into place, you unscrew the middle one and it detaches everything without detaching the actual anchors. So you could take the board off and then put it right back on and put one screw in place and anchor it right back in place. So you're saying that could be part of the kit for the uh, Langstroth to top bar have new conversions. It could be, or like on the top bars, if you wanted to have one end where you weren't, cause like I glue and screw the whole things together. Mm -hmm. But if I use those and I had like one in the center and then two up on the sides, I could open up a top bar and just take out three screws and I could drop that entire end piece off or move it so that I could attach something to it if I needed to. And then when I was done doing that, I could put it right back in place and anchor it without it having to be bolted or screwed or glued from the outside through the wood. 
it would mm-hmm. just be a metal apparatus that could actually anchor it. But it was it was interesting. I just saw it this morning. Um, it was probably the last intelligible thought that I had for the day because I had only been awake for like 15 minutes. <laughs> so, well, at least you had one. <laughs> I did. I had one. One for the day. Dang it. Um, anyhow, but yeah. So it's, I'll have to. I'll I'll see because I'm pretty sure I've got it in my message feed. So what I'll do is I'll forward it over to you because I'm yeah. I am positive. I will go back and listen to this later and be like, what the hell was I talking about? Like that description <laughs> doesn't even make sense. So I apologize. I, I didn't quite get everybody. it. So I will take the picture. <laughs> yeah. I apologize to everybody. I could draw you a picture down here, but it would only affect the well, people that can see the video. <laughs> it, it might just be me because very often it gets lost in translation. And once I've gotten lost in the, in the thread, it's done. So. Yeah. Over. Um, um, yeah, I was like, beep, beep. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Well, on with our actual topic for the day. Uh, the The main theme of this, and as you would have known, obviously, you know, because this after the fact that I name shit. So uh, <laughs> when you go and listen to this and you pull it up, it's going to say mentorship and apprenticeship programs. That's the title. And so that's what we're actually talking about. And the reason for that is because one, once you get to a certain point in beekeeping, what are you going to do? What do you want to do? Right. And we've talked about this before in some of our previous discussions where we've talked about different paths that beekeepers can take and everything else. But there is a seemingly endless need out there of mm-hmm. new beekeepers that are coming in that need somebody to mentor them. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, beekeepers that are experienced that have a lot going on really could possibly use some assistance. And that's where like an apprenticeship type thing comes in. Mm -hmm. You can get some of the extra help. And in doing so, you're also giving them some knowledge and education and experience that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. So that's kind of the scope of it. The the question that is going to run through this and is that I'm going to pose and then I'm just going to let Natalie run with it um, because I'm banking on the fact that out of the two of us today, she is far more better spoken and intelligent than I am. Oh my gosh, that's a, that's a wild, uh, <laughs> well guess there. I'm flipping a coin. So if not, we're all in trouble. <laughs> Let's um, try. We'll do our best. So my, my first question would be pros and cons. Um, do you think that mentorship is worth it to the beekeeper doing the mentoring? That would be number one. The mentor. Yeah. Is it worth it for the mentor to do a mentorship or even to have like a mentorship program? Because you can take this into as small a context or as large of a context as you want. You can look at this as an individual who's like, you know what? I got a little bit of extra time on my hands. I've been doing this for three or four years. I feel like I've got at least the basics down solid. I could probably help somebody else out and help them learn. But you could also look at it from the standpoint of, Maybe I've started an association or a local club, and and one of the things that I would like to do is foster some sort of mentorship within that club. So the scaling of it is completely up to you. And But number one, pros and cons, do you think it is actually worthwhile to the mentor? So I would start by 
It depends, right? Like everything else in beekeeping. It depends on the apprentice. <laughs> well, that and what kind of a mentor are you if you're just um, doing it uh, as a voluntary thing or if you're doing it for some kind of like you're also a business person in your beekeeping world. So are you just a backyard beekeeper uh, not making any money from your beekeeping or are you somebody that's actually making an income from your beekeeping? I think that that kind of um, guides both um, the pros and cons on that. So if I start with a backyard beekeeper, uh, I would say that the pros would be to build your community, to help others um, and learn from your own mistakes, figure out what you don't know exactly, right? Because it's only when you teach that you realize what you're missing. Um, being able to answer people's questions is going to show you definitely what it is that you don't know, right? So, and, and then it will force you to be more structured in your thought process and explain to people exactly what it is that you're you're following to deduct your uh, actions, your interventions, right? Uh, so I think that it's got great advantages for even a backyard beekeeper um, building that community and, and just kind of like putting you a little bit more on the learning position yourself uh, while um, helping people benefit from what it is that you've learned over the years that you wish you had known uh, when you first got started. The cons of that, though, is that very often backyard beekeepers and even a lot of the more experienced beekeepers uh, tend to not really uh, know necessarily as much as they should or not necessarily as in tune with the colony as a super organism, with the, with the animal as they would be um, in, in, in as they should be. And then what happens is there's a lot of repeated myths and repeated techniques without really digging into the why and, and why we do things like that. So I think that tends to perpetuate some of those myths when you're getting taught by people that haven't gone through the entire uh, thought process of um, and and the don't have necessarily the experience the deeper experience uh, to understand uh, the animal. There's such a thing as the Dunning Kruger effect, where basically when you're about less than three years into beekeeping, and it's true for almost all kinds of um, uh, skills, you you don't really know as much, but when you hit your third year, you think you know a lot more than you actually do. And um, so that's kind of a, uh, a dangerous point in your beekeeping. And then you kind of keep going and you kind of keep digging and you have to keep learning because some people are perfectly content with just sitting with their current knowledge and just don't ever ask themselves any questions, right? And so it's a permanent, it's a perpetual learning experience as far as I'm concerned with beekeeping. So once you cross over though, and you start becoming more experienced, leg legitimately uh, more experienced, there's a danger as well where you might be uh, assuming that the people that you're talking to know more than they actually do. And it, that's especially obvious when you've got <clears throat> questions on forums or uh, mentorship forums or things like that, where uh, people will ask questions and the more experienced beekeeper will just assume they have the same knowledge that they have and, and answer 
with that information when in fact what people could be describing as a queenless colony is not queenless at all. Uh, defensive colony is not defensive at all. It's just kind of grumpy today. Um, there's all kinds of things happening. So I think that's um, a little bit of that pros and cons as far as that's concerned. When it comes to um, professional beekeepers that are making an income out of their beekeeping, <clears throat> it can uh, it can also be very helpful uh, to get some help. The problem is that some of that help is not necessarily qualified and they can endanger your bees if those are the ones that you're um, teaching onto or showing them what to do. Um, and it can be potentially um, just kind of confusing for the mentors, mentees uh, to be overwhelmed with some of that information and just kind of also get into the same habits as that mentor that might not necessarily be matching what they would want to do with their own beekeeping if they kind of took a step back and, and uh, thought about it. The other aspect of that is that mentor that's doing it for professionally will not have necessarily the time uh, to teach in and share a lot of that expertise. It is uh, grueling work to do beekeeping for a living. It's a lot, it's intense, it's fast, it's just nonstop, you have to keep planning and you don't have necessarily the time to keep explaining everything. So um, having somebody um, that's well-meaning, wanting to help out to learn, um, becomes sometimes more work than it's worth for you. And, and especially when these people, um, they want to learn, but they, they want to learn. Basically, they want the, uh, to short circuit the learning curve, which is huge, and, and just kind of um, get the learning sometimes for, for free kind of a thing which is fine if they're really hard workers and you know how to put them to work, but it's kind of a, it's kind of not, not hardly any people are capable of doing that. So it's kind of a catch 22. Um, it, it is still allowing you to grow your community and to grow your contacts and maybe talk to people and, and just kind of guide them in the direction that you want them to go into, but possibly like we have a big, a soapbox about natural beekeeping and tabar beekeeping. So having mentees under our, our, our operation does help us kind of gear them towards that direction. But honestly, we're so busy that um, it's it makes more sense to go and do an actual formal apprenticeship in this case, where people are coming in and, and just kind of buying into a program. So I don't know if that's a lot of... Uh, thoughts what are your thoughts it, it is a lot of thoughts i think ultimately it it is definitely a catch-22 yeah and there's i think the if you boil this down the takeaway from it is number one we haven't really talked about the apprentice side of it yet but since how we're talking about the mentorship side from an apprentice's perspective or somebody who's doing an apprenticeship your knowledge that you're going to get and the education and experience that you're going to get is only as good as the knowledge, education, and experience right. that your mentor has. Mm -hmm. So you need to be very conscious of that when you're picking a mentor to go through and do stuff. And there is nothing wrong with learning multiple people's That's right. processes and things like that. So long as you are the individual who does not take everything as the gospel, this is how it absolutely has to be. And right. you can integrate things in and become eclectic 
where you take this in and you're like, this totally makes sense for me and my methods, but I don't quite grasp why you would do this over here. So maybe I'm not going to follow that, but I do appreciate where it came from. But I, I, I have these other things that I think are very valuable that I am going to take away from this. So if you can do that, it actually makes it more beneficial for you. Yes. Um, from the mentor standpoint, though, yeah, you do definitely run into a situation where you really, you have to honestly be doing it for the aspect of mentoring mm -hmm. and not the aspect of slave labor. Because oh, yeah. if you're doing it from the aspect of I have a business and I can cheat and have a bunch of free workers who are here doing my job for me so that I can get experience, you will wind up with a situation where one, the quality is not going to be necessarily up to your standards, yeah. potentially, or I could do this in 15 minutes and be done with it, or I could spend an hour talking to you, showing you how to do it, which one's really worth my time. Right. So you can run into a, a frustration, um, you know, on both parties from that aspect as well. So you have to be somebody who has the knowledge. You have to be somebody who is open and willing to truly be a mentor and actually take the time to teach. Because right. if you think about like on, uh, on my billing schedule for things, I have when I go out and I do a mentorship, if we're doing like training, education, consultation, mentorship versus a hive inspection. If mm -hmm. you want to pay me to come out and inspect your hive there and you're you going to leave me alone, it's going to be far cheaper and it can be done way yes. quicker if I go out there and just do it. But yes. if you want to tag along and you want to ask questions and you want to learn, that is a consultation appointment that is going to cost a lot of money and it will take a lot longer because I'm going to have to go slow and explain everything, which mm -hmm. it is perfectly fine. I don't mind doing it so right. long as that is the expectation and, and the person doing it is okay with it. Right. So, and, and to your point, it, it, it takes a lot more mental power uh, to, to get through hives and, and get a strategy for an entire apiary or even a couple of hives, just, just kind of think through the various options and the various parameters that are being observed um, and the goals of the person that's asking you to come and take a look at their hives without even having somebody that's asking all kinds of questions, which is great. But to your point, that's a different kind of service because it's right. a lot harder to do when somebody's there and asking you all kinds of questions. Yeah. It's harder you, to concentrate. You have to go into it with that mindset of this is what this is going to be. We're going to go slow. Mm -hmm. It's going to take a while. There's going to be a lot of questions. You may have to explain things a few times. And that, right. again, that is perfectly fine if that's the point. So, right. And, and, and that's what I'm doing tomorrow morning. And, and that's fine uh, as long as it's uh, the expectations are set properly. The other thing I wanted to mention is about mentoring. Very often we had um, with the Hayes County Beekeepers Association, people that wanted mentoring uh, and, and some of the levels were talking about mentoring as well. And um, I realized really quickly that what happens if you have five platinum uh, memberships to the club and they all are expecting mentoring, that's a lot of work for the person that was offering and donating all the mentoring, which for, means me. <laughs> for those, I was going to say, for those of you who can't see the video, she's pointing at herself yeah. the whole time she's saying this, like the individual <laughs> who is doing, yeah, that'd be me. <laughs> so, a lot of the times the expectation is for a mentee to have the mentor come over to their house and, and just kind of basically do the beekeeping for them, which is a learning in itself, but it's also a service usually. 
And then you have to repeat that. If you have five of those people, five mentees, then you have to do it five times. What I usually recommend people is finding a mentor is hard because of all the things that we talked about and the fact that beekeepers are super busy. Uh, but if you are forming with other new beekeepers of about the same levels uh, in the same general area, uh, what I call a mentoring pod, then you get to go and you go to your mentor's property yard, beekeeping yard, and as a group once, maybe once every three weeks, whatever it is. But this way your mentor is not overextended and you're not making them work as hard. And you'll find it's a lot easier in that, from that, uh, in that scenario to find people that are wanting to mentor an entire pod like this. So I highly recommend people organize and find out through their Beekeepers Association usually, or through Facebook groups, uh, who's in their area with similar interests. And I also would recommend um, as a mentee, don't learn about just one type of hive. Try to learn about several types of hives. Uh, that's that's yeah. how you decide what works best for you. That should be beekeeping 101 right there. That that is, that is season one, like episode four of the podcast, choosing a hive style and all the different ones that are out there. And the fact that beekeeping is beekeeping and the container they're in is just the container that doesn't have to be this. It can be these other options too. It's whatever fits your, you know, your style, your progress, your goal. Yeah. So 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 just real quick the windows open because it was nice today oh and, that's what you were looking at and the, there's the there's side. some sort of god-awful commotion happened out there a little <laughs> bit ago and and now i i don't know it's getting dark so i don't know if uh some sort of predator or something has come out and has like Eat disrupted them or if they're just we're talking about chickens by the way or if uh if they're just pissed off because they're doing the pecking order and somebody tried to enter the coop before it was their turn and they got uh -huh. booted out. Like, I don't know. But now they're all out there doing like the panic song cry, which is uh -oh. kind of similar to the egg song. So like, out? no, I, but I, I keep, I'm like, what the hell? Um, Cause it was a lot of ruckus. That's I actually muted the, my mic at one point and took my headset out because I was like, what is that? <laughs> so and then it occurred to me, oh, yeah, the window's open first off, so it's a lot louder than it normally would be. Right, usually. Uh, yeah, so, okay. So that's the the mentorship side of things. There mm -hmm. is a, uh, we'll talk about the apprentice side of it, and then there's a little hybrid thing that I'll throw in there real quick, um, okay. which is where I kind of almost thought you were going to go with the pod thing. But so on the apprentice side of things, I think there's <laughs> there's a lot more benefit than there is downside when you're an apprentice because any experience is experience right like information and knowledge is knowledge even if it is hey that was bad i shouldn't do that again <laughs> it's knowledge that you will then have in your arsenal to go next time hey i've oh. done that before that didn't work <laughs> the keeping is that's all it's all about right you make mistakes that are huge teaching moments everybody goes through that every yeah. single beekeeper has gone through mistakes and has lost colonies or has done something and then they go home and they're like spending the night up thinking well that was not right i think this is bad i have to go back and fix what i just did i'm regretting every single thing i just did uh, <laughs> right. i mean I, I've, 
I don't know about you, but that's what I, when I first started and I still, it still happens once in a while where I second guess myself and that's awful, right? You just kind of like, yeah, it is. It is. But it's like you said, it's part of the journey. It mm-hmm. is something that we all do. That was literally the whole point of Ken being involved in the first two seasons right. specifically of the podcast was because as a new beekeeper who knows nothing, you are going to screw up. You are going to make certain mistakes. And that's twofold. One, somebody can listen to it who's already done it and go, okay, I don't feel so bad. I'm not alone. <laughs> And somebody who hasn't quite made it there yet can listen to it and go, oh, oh, okay, I see. That was not a smart decision. I'm going to make a mental note so I don't do that, you know, and it never happens at all. So um, there is a lot of knowledge and teaching and education that can come from screwing up. Like failure is a wonderful teacher. And that's only the only way that you can improve is Mm -hmm. by failing at something and seeing what didn't go right and then how you can correct it so that it does go right in the future. So, um, but the apprenticeship side of it, Number one, the downside would be, I think, if you are literally trying to just cheat the system and you're trying to either have somebody else do the work for you or Mm -hmm. you are just trying to fast forward through everything because it doesn't really matter how much of a sponge your brain is. There's only so much you can learn because in beekeeping, certain things only happen at a certain time of the year and it only may occur in some cases over multiple years you know, so you're not going to get it all by going for one month and and spending every weekend doing something and then think you've got it. You're not going to get it that way. But if you're willing to put in the time and the energy and the effort, I think that the apprentice truly can learn a lot with that caveat that we talked about if they choose the right mentors, even if they don't, if they go and they visit this one individual and they're like, okay, I learned a few things, but I really just don't feel like this person meshes well with me and they find a different one, so be it. You can learn different perspectives and you can decide what what you keep for yourself. But I do think that the apprentices have the upper hand on, on the pros and cons of this one. So help me out by defining the difference between mentor and apprentice, mentorship and apprenticeship in your, so in your own words. I'm defining it as, as the individuals. So the mentor or a mentorship program is the individual teaching. The apprentice or the apprenticeship is the individual learning. Mm-hmm. So that's how I've I've delineated it in for this purpose anyway. Um, mentorship literally just being from the perspective of the person doing the mentoring. What are the pros and cons of that? Mm-hmm. Apprenticeship from the perspective of the person doing the learning that is actually okay. out there doing the work. What are their pros and cons? And a lot of it is is kind of overlap, you know, like we we mentioned. Yes, but, it is a little yeah. bit overlap. Yeah. So I I think that you make an excellent point. And I think uh, uh, even beyond uh, the case with mentoring, not all apprenticeships are equal. And and having somebody that's super experienced is going to be definitely uh, an advantage there. Somebody that's going to be, that's going to have the structure and the educator educator background is going to help as well. There's a lot of- um, Patience. Uh huh. There's a lot of what's going on these days. Also, is that there's very few real, real apprenticeships actually in the United States. I was just doing some research. There's very few of them, but you want to be careful um, because there's also uh, uh, basically influencers that might be offering 
you know, apprenticeship like things. Uh, there's also beekeeping supply companies that might be offering um, apprenticeship type things or, or beekeep commercial beekeepers that might be offering apprenticeships. And you have to be really careful what it is that you're trying to accomplish here because you're not all apprenticeships are going to be created equal. If you're serious about your learning, if you're serious about um, um, just kind of um, just pick somebody that knows what they're talking about, really. Right. So I, I, I'm trying to be delicate here. I don't want to upset anybody, uh, but that's super important. People that have master beekeeper um, credentials are going to be probably better fit, although it's not a, a give. A de, um, a it's guarantee. not a given. Yeah. It's not a guarantee that you're going to get quality teaching by any means. Uh, years of experience is going to also be the same way. And size of your um, their operation is going to be an indicator as well, uh, usually. But yeah, if it's all like made for um, projecting a certain image and, and just kind of like uh, that, that's not necessarily always that doesn't go hand in hand with actual uh, quality program, or if you've got, uh, what I'm really weary about is any kind of programs that are uh, tied to any kind of like equipment sales. Yeah. Right? And B I was, I was going to bring up the fact that you really need to be careful on an apprenticeship. If you're in it to learn more about beekeeping, you don't wind up in a situation where you're really basically in an unpaid internship where you're going to spend the next 10 hours every weekend, Saturday and Sunday, building yeah. frames. And that's all you yeah. do. And you don't get paid. And uh, under the pretext of getting some kind of training and, and so, and then you become a customer of, because they tell you, this is the only way to do this. Right. I'm yeah. selling all, all those Langstroth boxes. And this is my, this is where I make my business. Um, all the, um, accessories all the treatments all this stuff right and so i'm going to push you in that direction because that's my business and i'm creating my market yeah basically so you want to be careful and kind of uh, very astutely observe what's happening and what's the end goal of those apprenticeships right i think a, a very telltale thing which you won't you're not going to know it until you're already in the midst of it and and keep in mind there is such thing as Wow, I'm skipping words. There is such a thing as <laughs> false obligations. So yeah. you may go into this internship or this apprenticeship, as we've been calling it, um, with the expectation that you're going to go through and you're going to do learning bees and have your hands in the hives and do all this other stuff. And then come to find out you are just sitting around building frames all day. Um, mm -hmm. And then you get this false obligation of, well, but I committed to this, but that's, you committed to wanting to learn about bees. Now you're finding out that's not what you're learning. Did you really obligate yourself to that? And is it more advantageous for you to leave and go find what it was you were looking for or stay there and put in the work? Now, what I would say though, is because there is a great advantage to being well-rounded and learning all of those things. But I think that the best in my mind, the best way, and this is literally from personal experience, because this is also how I would do things. Um, if the person teaching you is sitting there with you doing the same thing, mm -hmm. if we're going to spend today building frames, my ass is sitting down there building frames with you all day. And you're going to learn how to build frames and I'm going to build frames and we're going to get done. And then tomorrow yeah. we're going to go do something else. But if right. it's, I'm going to make one frame and show you, and then I'm going to leave and leave you here by yourself to make 300 or, more. 
yeah that's 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 well, unpaid labor <laughs> and i have seen many uh, beekeepers usually uh, the ones that are um, for profit just kind of an organization do it that way uh at least in austin that's what i've seen in person with at least a couple three people uh me so, too <laughs> so that's something to keep in mind you don't want to become free labor necessarily a little bit of that will teach you much uh hands-on practice but but then it becomes repetitive and and you're just not learning anymore no Uh, you're making somebody else money is what you're doing because you're not getting paid they're getting the free work out of it and then they're getting a product that they can turn around and sell so right so there's a catch 22 uh usually a good apprenticeship program is going to cost you something you're going to have to pay for something um and and then i would say you want to look for um something that's going to have a comp- uh, several components, uh, hands-on into the bees component, uh, classroom, you know, theory component, and also a workshop hands-on, just kind of manipulate and do the things you need for beekeeping outside of the bees. And if you've got a program that's an apprenticeship that's just virtual, you're not learning everything you need to and if it's just hands-on into the bees that's the same thing you're not learning every it's going to take also more than just three hours here and there uh you know it's going to take hours and and it's going to take repetition and so uh, actual quality apprenticeship i believe is going to take at least five six days total in the program for you to get to begin to get a pretty good um background in beekeeping so that you can be autonomous and and, and just kind of understand the basics of what you're doing. Two to three hours and that's it. It's not going to teach you hardly anything. I mean, beekeeping, uh, the curve is, the learning curve is huge, right? So you want to get invest into something. It's going to cost you more, but if you break it down by the day, if you break it down by the uh, amount of learning that you're doing and the continuity and, and just kind of following, like you were mentioning earlier, throughout the seasons and, you know, an entire season, an entire cycle is an entire year, right? So in theory, that's what you should go for. Uh, but I think that it's not always practical. And a lot of the programs out there are just kind of a lot shorter, um, but that's something to keep in mind as well. You just want to make sure that um, you've you're, you've got the time, you've got the hands on the virtual, and the time in the, the bees. Yeah. So that covers mentoring and apprenticeship. Yeah. There is one hybrid aspect that does come in handy, and that would be kind of like a peer review, where and I, I thought this was also kind of where you were going a little bit with the pod scenario, but. Um, individuals at the same level, maybe you don't have a mentor around, maybe there's too many people and not enough mentors, or there's just not one around period. But if you can find somebody in your local area who is also at the same level of beekeeping that you are, there's still a lot of information to be had with teaming up with each other. And you go to their house and you both do an inspection on their hives. And then next weekend, they come to your house and you both do an inspection on your hives. You're Mm going to see different things. You've doubled the amount of hives that you're able to see and scenarios that you're able to encounter. That's exactly the pods, yes. Yeah, you'll get a lot of information that way. And you don't have a quote unquote mentor who is this 
person that has all this training and knowledge and experience that is there teaching you, but it is the next best thing. If you have no other options, you have a buddy, a beekeeping buddy, a peer that you can go right. out there, a cohort per se, that you can go out there and do some sort of investigating with and discussing with and theorizing with, you know, and it helps because then you have that communication and you've, again, you've doubled the amount of hives that you yourself would normally be able to experience. Yeah. So that's actually part of the, for me, that's part of the mentoring pods. That's the, you got a main mentor and when the entire pod goes to their house and just kind of does those inspections with the learning and all the stuff. But also you have, and, and the mentor can also go to some of those uh, rolling inspections. But to your point, if you got 10 people, each with two hives, you cannot, you shouldn't be going, you cannot, you shouldn't be going into your hives too often. That's really going to be, uh, you want to learn, which is why a lot of people tell you go in there every week, but it's really detrimental to the bees. Uh, so what I recommend is having that uh, circular kind of notion where you, you're going uh, from yard to yard and you're multiplying the, the frame time by the amount of people that's in your pod and the number of colonies that each have, right? So if you've got 10, you can go in there every 10 weeks, right? And you just kind of, you know, you can rotate. You have potentially, um, you could go there twice a week and never come back to the same one until five weeks from now, right? So this yeah. is something to keep in mind. So I will, I'll throw this in here real quick again before I forget about it, but it goes for, it's worth mentioning. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm, I'm losing words. Um, it is worth mentioning though. If you do have the experience and you have the time and you've been doing beekeeping for even just a year or two and you want to do a good deed and you want to help out, oh yes, you can look into organizations like Hives for Heroes mm -hmm. where you are doing multiple services on top of just showing somebody beekeeping because you're doing something for them that you may not even realize is literally saving their life. It mm -hmm. is giving them a distraction. It is giving them a reason to get up in the morning and you're helping them through this type of process that they desperately need and are looking for assistance for. So you can check out Hives for Heroes and look into that if it's something that you might be interested in. There are I don't remember how they call them newbies, but uh, they're basically the apprentices or the the mentees that have mm -hmm. just come into the program all across the United States and in other countries. Now they have expanded greatly. And so there's more than likely somebody in your area that may have already signed up with them that is waiting on a mentor to come available in their region. So definitely look into it because if you do want to do something like that, and maybe you don't necessarily have a beekeeping club around or you don't have the time to necessarily, you know, start this whole thing and take on 10 different apprentices or anything else, maybe you do have the time to help one other individual and that can be very, very beneficial. Well, and there's a human connection too. So we do a lot of the, um, there's the other thing that you can do is also do community outreach. So by the way, the Hives for Hero, we're waiting for our um, mentee basically. Uh, and we, we told them we're putting them through the apprenticeship program um, so that they can be in the group and learn just as much. We just kind of volunteer their spot and then uh, they'll get bees and hives um, at the end, right? So that's also another aspect of that that's really great. Uh, but I wanted to mention the other thing you can do 
outside of direct mentoring is uh, community outreach and, and just kind of help with communities that might need um, beekeeping training that don't have necessarily access. A lot of the beekeeping training that's out there is actually very, uh, the hives, the equipment, the bees, the training, all that costs money, right? And, and so not everybody has access to that. And physically, by the way, that's another thing. Some people don't have the physical strength to go and uh, lift up big, large boxes, commercial boxes that are super heavy. Um, so I, I encourage you to kind of look into community um, outreach as well. Uh, we've done a lot of the um, Congolese refugee program in Houston. We've done the community first in Austin with the mobile loaves and fishes, um, the formerly chronically homeless uh, residents were learning, we were teaching them beekeeping. Um, there's youth scholarships that you can do. Um, and you can even travel to other countries if you want to. Where it's most needed is in Africa and in countries that don't have access to necessarily the mentorship and the education. And it doesn't have to be traveling in person, by the way. Organizations like WinRock, which uh, help communities in Africa uh, and other countries that are uh, in need, they will provide uh, teaching and, uh, and agricultural matters, which beekeeping is an agricultural uh, matter, subject matter. And then uh, you can do it also virtually. So there's all kinds of things that you can do to mentor other people. And if you're listening to this and you're looking for opportunities, maybe you check out some of those other options as well. The High Four Heroes, Winrock, you know, all kinds of things that you can do uh, to get some help. And, and, you know, some programs are available virtually. So I, I take back, I walk back, I'm walking back a little bit what I said earlier. So you're not getting the full extent of your training when you're doing just virtual or just hands-on. But if you have nothing else, that's still better than nothing, right? So still consider those options as well. But just be mindful of what you're getting into because there's a lot, so a lot of people are putting together like, you know, um, education websites in beekeeping and it's all marketing and it's all just kind of expensive and it does not necessarily equate quality. So be mindful of what you're getting into and like weary of what you're getting into and what it is that if you're going to spend money, just kind of, you know, be wise about it. Be wise, be yes. mindful. Yeah. I, Key I, I, phrases. I, I'm not trying to push myself. I know from when I first started talking to you and I was like, be mindful, be mindful. I'm just like, but that's, I, it's the whole point of the phrase. It yeah, is, it, is it the whole point. serves a purpose. And so it's okay. That's it fits exactly in there. Right. Yeah, so it fits many in levels. There. Yes. Mm -hmm. So there you go, everybody. There is your homework. Go check out some of that stuff. It's food for thought, something to think about. It is a way to both expand your own horizons and your own viewpoints on things and a way to connect with others, maybe make a new friend. Because one of the things that also goes hand in hand with the whole be mindful and little slogans that you hear all the time is we all rise together. So oh, that's, less is, that's it's right. Our motto, right. We shouldn't be standing on each other's shoulders, pushing the other person down. Nope. We should be pulling the other people up to our level. So right. if you can get totally. out there and do it, absolutely do so. So go check a look, uh, check, check, check a look, <laughs> <laughs> go take a look at some of those websites, check them out and, uh, you know, see if there's something in your area or some place where you have a passion that you think you might be able to help share and help somebody else experience bees or get into bees or learn more about them. Go out there and do it. You know, it, it may not necessarily hurt and the world could use a lot 
of good friendly things these days. Well, and I was going to add to this, uh, if you're doing this for community outreach, consider the, the basically the horizontal tapper hives. I, I will say that's a lot cheaper. It doesn't come with a lot of equipment. You can make it out of reclaimed wood. It, it, the plants are super simple, meaning most everybody can make them or know somebody that can make those hives. And also you can work them with one hand. You can work them at five years old, at 95 years old. You don't have to lift anything right if you if you have bad shoulders or backs or you have injuries or you've got only one hand any of that stuff you can still do it with which is not the same with um vertical stack boxes beekeeping absolutely correct 100 correct mm -hmm. <laughs> all right everybody well thank you so much for tuning in to this beekeeper chat and hopefully you managed to follow along and uh, like we mentioned at the very beginning, my brain is fried. So please excuse uh -huh. all the tongue-tied garbledy goop jargon in there. <laughs> you so, did great, John. That was awesome. You, you had I was actually, I was proud of myself at a couple of points. You I was like, awesome. well, that sounded halfway intelligent, which is better than I've done all day long. So yeah. <laughs> all right, everyone. We look forward to talking to you again next week. But until then, as always, be good. And don't forget to be mindful. Bye-bye, <laughs> everybody. Bye. This Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you, and we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are the bee's knees. <laughs>